the Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Graybeal. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Jared Graybeal. And on today's episode, we have a super special guest. I know I say that every single time. That's because I uh, really admire a lot of the people that we get to interview on this show. But this guest, his name is Josh Turner. And I think about five years ago, uh, maybe a little longer than that, Josh got I don't know, got to is probably not the right phrase, but Josh <laughs> baptized me. I got to be baptized by Josh. You got to be baptized. <laughs> yeah, at uh, Celebration Orlando. And um, such an interesting story. I think that morning I told myself, if the pastor says something about baptism, I'll do it. I tried to leave without getting baptized. And then Josh stopped me on my way out and said, hey, didn't you raise your hand? And so, uh, so yeah, I, dog, yeah. you, ain't, you ain't slipping by me. Yeah. I think you said uh, I was the most jacked person you had baptized so far. Well, that's for sure. Um, and at the time, I was about 20 pounds heavier prepping for a bodybuilding show. Um, and Josh is doing a lot of different things these days, and we'll get into that here in a second. But Josh, thanks for being on the show, man. Oh, man. No, thanks for having me, buddy. Absolutely. And uh, I'm so excited to talk about a handful of things. I don't know if you remember, but a couple of years ago, I visited you in Orlando. Uh-huh. I was on this little trip, this journey of sort of uh, interviewing some of the yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and at the time, I don't know why it didn't. I don't know why the podcast thing didn't cross my mind. Like, yeah, yeah. I just do a podcast. Yeah. So here we are, and we'll revisit a couple of those questions because I think your wisdom is super valuable to the audience. Well, the answers have probably changed from a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm equally interested in that as well. Um, and so. Uh, Josh, if you could, for the audience, tell them a little bit about your your background um, yeah. and what you're doing now. Yeah, so I have been a really a local church pastor. I have a degree in economics, a minor in business, uh, was uh, in business for a while, then went into ministry, uh, and I've been a local church pastor for 15 years, planted a church in Orlando uh, with two locations, uh, out of Jacksonville, Florida, we was an urban church in downtown, uh, recently, uh, transitioned out of that, uh, moved from Orlando to Atlanta. I have a special needs little girl, lost all her Medicaid in the state of Florida, which caused us to have to leave Florida to move to Atlanta or to move to Georgia. we moved in Atlanta. Uh, so now I work for an organization called one hope, uh, and very simply the, the mission of one hope is to reach every child in the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And since 1987, we've reached 1.7 billion kids. They have 316 different programs, uh, all over the world, uh, in like 140 different languages, uh, digital programs, print programs. It's the, the scope of what they do. Even when I came on staff last year was massive. Um, and so I help oversee really kind of North America as like an ambassador, helping them build some strategic relationships. Uh, but then also I help coach still uh, church planners, guys who feel called to ministry. And uh, yeah, so I do that. I still travel and preach. Uh, so kind of got my hands in a few different things. Married, two kids, have a 17-year-old son, 12-year-old daughter, been married for 16 years. So if you can do math, I wasn't always serving Jesus. Uh, but yeah, that's me. That's what I do. And uh, just living up in Atlanta. 
Thanks for that, man. Um, just for a little bit of background context. And so you also have a uh, podcast. You just finished your yep. second season. The podcast is named called. Yes. Yeah, um, we have to, we went called because you're called in the ministry, but then when you try to explain it to people, you have to say name. Cause then you say, Oh, it's called called. And you sound like a crazy person. Yeah. And I, I struggle with that. So I've transitioned. my <laughs> verb into It's named. It's named. It's title. Is called. called. Yeah. Uh, which I love, man. I, I think it's, it's a super valuable um, podcast really for um, people in leadership within the church yeah, uh, in ministry, but even not, you know, not so much um, yeah. secular audience. It could still provide a lot of value. What inspired you to launch called? Well, I think part of it was, you know, part of it was there's a, I, I've been friends with pastors for, for God knows how long my friend, my best friends are pastors. And what I started learning was most guys are struggling with the same stuff. Most guys uh, and girls are struggling with the same issues, the same thoughts, the same, um, you know, ministry as, as all leadership is, is very hard. And, and I think one of the, the, the dangers in the church world, right. Is we want to over spiritualize everything and we want to make everything like there's a demon behind every bush or, you know, Satan's lurking behind every door. Sometimes you're just a crappy leader. And sometimes you need some leadership help and you need someone to talk to you. And we really wanted to start it to be a place where we felt like we could have some very black and white, normal conversations uh, that weren't so much, um, how do I say, coached with spiritual language, but just to say, listen, this is hard. This is tough. This doesn't mean you don't have enough faith. This doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus enough. Like this is just leadership and it's hard. And uh, I've had a few friends to, um, you know, uh, that have taken their lives that were pastors and, and what you start realizing is, and, you know, leadership is lonely. And, and people say that all the time. And, and what we wanted to do was to create a, a place to be able to have safe conversations um, that were real conversations and not, you know, and not just the good side of things. Yeah. I guess is the reason we wanted to start it. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's really the value is the transparency behind the podcast because, yeah. um, you know, I, I would imagine in, in all leadership really, but in ministry, uh, you were sort of bred to hide your weaknesses. Yeah, I, it, you are. And I, I don't know, like, I've never been real great at that. Like, for whatever reason, I've always been, even as a preacher, uh, I've always preached what I've, what I've been going through in the moment, like not even always on the other side of it. And, and I, I don't know where that comes from in ministry. I'm sure it's, you know, I think it's something that we're all kind of, trained in or, or, uh, you know, you kind of come up under different pastors or different leaders and, you know, the man of God's always got to have it together. Well, the problem with that is, is you don't even see that in the Bible. Peter was a hot mess of a human being and, and nowhere in the Bible do you see that. And so that's more of a man made thing. I would say you have to feel like you have it all, always have it together. It's definitely rooted in in pride, right? Like, oh God, you know, bro, um, for sure. Like every I'll pastor, every up. pastor and leader at the end of the day is is prideful and insecure all at the same time. Yeah, it's like balancing it just so well enough to where we don't <laughs> you, your whole world doesn't explode. Yeah, yeah. Um, which makes me think a lot about this quote I read a long time ago, and it's been the inspiration for this book that I've been trying to write for like three years. But uh, it was, it was a 
quote on entrepreneurship, but I think it really is rooted in all types of leadership, especially yeah. leadership like ministry. Um, it was, everybody looks at an entrepreneur, uh, like a guy riding a lion and they say, yeah. man, that guy on the lion is really cool. And the guy on the lion is thinking, how the hell did I get on this lion and how do I get off without being eaten? Yeah. And I thought that's so valuable because we don't, I don't think we choose, like we choose to pursue God's calling for our life, but God designs us for certain books. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and certain platforms. And so leadership is painful and weighty. So everyone's like, man, that leader's so cool. And you're like, how do I get off without being eaten by this day? Like yeah. my, my ego and my insecurities are battling themselves out. And, um, sure. and that's one thing I've always loved about your teaching is, uh, mm-hmm. is that vulnerability and transparency because it makes me or, or other people obviously feel more comfortable with our insecurities. Yeah, like you yeah. know, as a business owner and an entrepreneur, it's like, all right, it's cool to tell everybody like, I'm struggling right now with this stuff. Oh yeah. Let me fix it first and then I'll tell them in retrospect, like guys, we almost went under. You know? Yeah, not not every story can be a victory story. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Some stories are a what the crap. Like, how did I get in this moment? Yeah. And like, hey, can you guys help? You know? Yeah. We're in this thing yeah. right now. I'd love your help instead of like I'll figure it all out myself. Oh yeah, dude. Well, even the Bible says there's wisdom and wise counsel. And yeah. so like, you know, don't ever underestimate as a leader you know, the, the voices of other people that God has surrounded you with to speak into the situations you find yourself in. Absolutely. And so just to reiterate, the podcast is, goes by the name of called yep. called. Yep. Um, and you can find it anywhere that podcast yep. are, I imagine, um, some really, really great, uh, guests on there. And how did you pick the, the co-hosts? Um, to me, that's a random assortment of people to you. It might not be. Yeah. So those two guys are like two of my best friends. And so I knew, I knew, like I started thinking through the podcast that I listened to and it was a lot of like, uh, a panel of guys. And I knew for me, it had to be guys that I played well with, like I played off of and we could joke around with each other because we wanted it to be fun too. And so I really got like Jason and Joel who are on it with me are two of my best friends. Jason's a pastor in San Francisco. Joel is a traveling evangelist out of Australia. And then randomly, every once in a while, we'll have a third, a fourth guest host that will be kind of more of a, a rotation. Uh, the first season, we really had Bianca Oltoff with us a lot on there. Um, she didn't do the second season as much because she was traveling. But it was just people that I knew like we could have normal, fun conversations with and laugh with each other and, and yeah. make it engaging. There wasn't a lot of science behind it. Got you it. know what I mean? It's like, In my mind, I was like, these cultural differences, right? Like Australia. No. San no. Francisco, female no. leadership, you know. No, they're just, I mean, Bianca was, you know, we did, we did understand that we needed a female leader. I mean, you know, because we wanted to speak to a, a wide audience and three white dudes aren't like necessarily hitting a wide audience, you know? And so uh, she's a great leader, preacher and pastor and speaker. And so she was a perfect fit. And then the other two, man, like Jason, who's on there, I mean, bro, we've been friends for almost 18 years. And so he's one of my best friends. And so I just knew, I knew what I was getting myself into with that moron. Uh, and so, yeah. So Josh, I want to turn a little bit to more of the, the business and leadership conversation. Um, and one thing that I do value about your perspective is your background in economics and business. I think that, and you may or may not agree, but one of the ways, you know, the church in Orlando that you planted grew really, really fast. And mm-hmm. I think obviously there's a part to what we do that is, like all God, right? We give 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. But he empowers us with these gifts and the ability to gain wisdom and strategy and and even marketing acumen, right? Like, so I I would say that you have a a strong entrepreneurial uh, character. And so I want to, I really want to ask you some questions related to that. What do you think contributes to most to business success? What I mean by that is like, you know, some analysts would say market timing or teamwork, culture, everything rises and falls, leadership or market conditions, right? Or the business model. Like for you, what is it? How does that work? Like what's the theory? Yeah, I, I think so. I heard I heard uh, Brian Houston, who is the lead pastor of Hillsong, you know, in the church world, he said, and, and this is the stuff to a certain extent that you cannot control, right person, right place, right time, right? Like some of those, you can control the right person type of deal, but I think some of those things like right place and right time. Some of that, that's the stuff that I would say you kind of, that's some of that's in God's hands, right? I would say, you know, from the spiritual side of things. Um, I mean, you look right now at the world we're living in with COVID. I mean, think about the guys that, you know, started a business in January. Oh my God. Well, not the right time. They didn't know that. that yeah. They, they didn't know that. that. That just happened. And then, and then you think of guys like that, they just fall into it backwards into the right time. They're the right person, right place. And so I think there's that there's that aspect of it. You know what I mean? Like where it's the right person, right place and right time. But then one of the things that that I think is so important that you can't undermine. And even I would say with the right place, like dude, when we were looking for church buildings or where to do church, bro, I had a whole spreadsheet of certain things I was looking for, like road frontage, uh, how high the ceilings were, like how far was it to the bathrooms? I mean, dude, I'm thinking through all of that strategically. I'm thinking through as a person, when I go drop my kid off, how far do I want my kid to be away from me when I sit in church? So right place is something that you really don't know until you get there, but you can still do your due diligence in it, right? So I still think you do your due diligence. The other thing that I think, uh, there, there are two things that I think when it comes to entrepreneurship, not even in the church world, just in general, culture the culture that you create, you can never underestimate the importance of it. And what I would say is um, there is a, there's a writer, his name's Sam Chan and Sam Chan has a book. I believe it's called cracking like the cultural code or something like that. And everybody wants to say, okay, um, everything uh, rises and falls on leadership or vision. What Sam Chan says is culture eats vision for lunch. And I think that you can have all the vision in the world for a great organization and you can have a crappy culture and it doesn't matter how great your vision is. So I think you have got to work hard to create the culture that you desire to have for your business. So when you think of your business, what is that culture? What are those cultural codes? What are those cultural statements? What is it? How do you operate? That, that is cultural. And the second thing, man, I, I think is key is grit. You got to work. You got to be able to put the time in. You, so many people, you know, whatever. So many people are just pansies these days, man. And they don't have any, like, <laughs> did you have, have to, any, say, to say that? Yeah, I did. I kind of didn't know who's alive. Who cares? Um, but they are. They just don't have, like, a great work ethic or they get, they get corrected and they get butt hurt or they get whatever by stuff. And it's like, do I think if you can create a culture, there's a healthy, I would say life-giving, encouraging culture, but you can also have the grit to get the job done and teach people how to do that. 
bro, I think those two things are irreplaceable. That's really, you know, and I think that's on something super important that personally, I keep it to myself a lot because I don't want to be insensitive to young people. Um, but I agree, man. And, you know, not to, to dwell too much on it, but I think there's two ends of that coin or the double-edged sword. If yeah. Like on one end, we do have a lot of, I mean, not even just young people really, but a lot of undisciplined workers. Um, and so they want to do bare minimum and get the most out of it. And then, you know, so lack of grit really in, in, in today's culture. Um, but on the other end, we have leaders that don't know how to build a culture of like a disciplinary response that's healthy, you know? So it's, it's worker that won't do the work leader that doesn't know how to approach them properly. So it's either they let it slide or they say something super inappropriate. Yeah. 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 So it's like finding a balance of of like, Hey, you're capable of X, Y, and Z. I want to see that in you because I believe in you and I'm going to empower you to do so. And if you don't hear the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think this is, I don't know if this is also insensitive, but one thing coming out of this pandemic, I think we'll probably see that change. Um, because, you know, 20% of the workforce lost their job over the last yep. eight weeks. Um, and I've never honestly seen the level of work ethic in my own company that yeah. I wish I could just see every day. But now they come to work with more gratitude because yeah. we got to stay in business. So I get to see a group of people working harder. And I didn't give a company-wide raise. If anything, it was like, yeah. guys, let's just hope and pray we stay in business. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, dude. So I think uh, that's so good. Culture and grit. Um, on the flip side, Josh, cause we've talked a little bit about this, like burnout and work-life balance and stuff. Oh, yeah. How would you say that you incorporate grit into the life of a leader, but not go too far, like not reach a tipping point? Yeah. So I, I'm probably, I, I have royally screwed that up at times, like, because, and I think it depends on your personality, but I would say, Jared, you and I have similar person. I, I'm a type A driver. Like, and to me as a guy that is a type A driver, I'm almost always keeping score in my head too, right? And score to me can look like different things. It can look like the amount of people that show up to church, the amount of people that are in small groups, how much money I raise for the organization I work for now, how much money is in my bank account, how much like I can just keep score a million different ways. And so, you know, I've gone through a couple of different seasons of, of burnout and of unhealth and you know, like I was telling you before we jumped on the podcast, now is the first time in 15 years I'm not pastoring a local church. And both of my kids have told me that I'm a better dad now. And that's something where you're like, well, dang it. <laughs> like, you know, like, it kind of like, and I, and I look back and what I realize is, is I kind of had my priorities a little jacked up, right? They, they were a little twisted. Um, kind of got a little sideways on me. And so there is a, um, there's a really, really good book, uh, by a friend of mine that he just wrote called the ruthless elimination of hurry. Uh, his name is John Mark Comer and, um, and it's just this idea. And then there's another one that Jeff, Jeff Bethke wrote called the hell, uh, to hell with the hustle. And, and I understand what they're saying, but there's a balance in it, right? Like there's this balance. And so for me, uh, one of the things that I really wanted to think through was what are my priorities and what are the things that um, I feel like really God is going to hold me the most responsible for. And at the end of the day, it's my, my wife and my kids. And so I've had to put parameters in place. And, and fortunately, 
I have burned out. And so I say fortunately because now I know what some of those triggers are for me. Yeah. And so when I start feeling a certain way, I know, okay, man, like not in a super good place or I'm overworking myself or, you know, and, and then the other thing too is like I had to put in parameters uh, that sometimes I would love to say that I'm always awesome with these, but I'm not sometimes like I'm terrible. Like I, I, uh, about three years ago, legitimately, and this is, would be more on the religious side of things, started taking a Sabbath, um, which is a day off, like a legitimate day off. Um, and I did it for the, I did it for the reason to remind myself that God, even when I'm not working, you're still working on my behalf. And that was more of that for me. But then like, you know, I started doing that. And then there's certain things like, I don't want to work past a certain time. So it's me having to turn my phone off, not answer emails, not answer uh, text messages or Zoom calls. And I try to protect certain time after like five or six because I want to be with my family. Um, And then there are things, you know, we all have physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, and intellectual. So we all have these kind of five areas. And I need to make sure that I'm doing something in each of those five areas that fills me. That, that, that builds me up, that does something, you know, for me. So one of the things like, I mean, you, no one can see this watching the podcast, but behind me is all these like taxidermied animals, you know, it's like that Ace Ventura 2 scene where he's like, this is a lovely room of death. Uh, but like, it's funny, man, I'll start getting stressed and my wife will walk up to me. She'll go, Hey, uh, you need to go to the woods because there's something about me being outside fishing in the woods, hiking, mountain biking, whatever that does something to me that helps my, you know, stress, anxiety, all that come down. And, and I'll tell you this too. I go to a counselor and I've been to a counselor for over 12 years. Um, and there was a season when I was on anxiety medicine. Um, you know, so all that stuff, man, I think is good to help protect you and, and help you have healthy rhythms. Yeah. I think that's so important too for our audience and our audience isn't predominantly Christian or anything like that. Young people though. Um, The fact that you had the humility to not only see a counselor consistently, um, but to accept that you may have needed medicine for a time. I think it's so valuable. Well, and I, I heard, I heard Rick Warren, uh, who his son, Rick Warren, if you don't know, wrote the purpose driven life, like, the best-selling book of all time, I think, behind the Bible. The dude is just a gajillionaire, uh, just the coolest guy ever, too. And, and so I've, I've been able to become friends with Pastor Rick. And I heard him talking about uh, mental health, and he was talking about like depression and anxiety medicine. And he said, he goes, if you had high blood pressure, he said, you would take blood pressure medicine. He goes, why in the church have we made it the stigma that if you have like some of the chemical imbalances in your brain's off. Like you can't do it. He goes, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it was this really like kind of freeing thing of like, and I wasn't even on it at the time, but, but then when I kind of did start taking anxiety medicine uh, last year uh, for a little bit, it was kind of that thing. Like, why would I let somebody make me think there's a stigma about this? Yeah. But I would take blood pressure. You know what I'm saying? Like, Dude, some people like this is in the church world. Like I'll just say this very blatantly. Some people want to make everything some super spiritual and over the top. Like sometimes you just need to take a pill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes you don't need to pray more. Sometimes you have a chemical imbalance. Can God heal that? Yes, he could. 
but also God has given us the common grace of doctors. Yeah. And so, you know, go see your, yeah. go see your counselor. Back to like that, that story or old adage or something like that of the guy on the roof, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. In the flood. Why didn't you like save that. me? Yeah, there's a, there's a flood. God sends yeah. a helicopter and God yeah. sends an airplane and then he dies. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. why didn't you save me? I sent you the helicopter. I sent you the airplane. I sent you a helicopter. I sent you a plane and a boat. Yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think that's just super important because we can battle some 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 fights that really don't oh, bother us, you know. Oh man, I, I would say one of the best things that you can ever do for yourself ever is to find a good counselor. Yeah, I still go to one. I've gone to one for twelve years. Yeah, every good every I would say every good business person I know has a coach. Yep, um, or at least has someone they lean on regularly. Yep. Uh, every smart young person seeks out a mentor. Every yep. Person that's out of shape, if they can afford it, gets a personal trainer. Yeah. People pay dietitians. Why should it be any different with our mental health, which drives every action we make in life? Absolutely. Um, so I'm a big believer as well in uh, therapy or, or even seeing a psychiatrist. Yeah. Um, so I love that, man. Um, back to a little bit about leadership and uh, for you, what do you think one of the biggest things that's helped to develop you as a leader today? Like, what's the greatest obstacle you've had to overcome? Um, man, the greatest obstacle dude would probably be, well, it was definitely in my early, early to mid twenties, but the, the idea that I thought I knew everything that was going on. And so like, you know, I was a part of an organization. I wasn't an entrepreneur at the time, but I think one of the things is like, it was, it was like, we kind of talked about the arrogance, the pride, like you think you know what's going on. And I think for every entrepreneur, there has to be a level of humility that you have to fight for to keep yourself hungry and learning. Because one of the things, I used to always say this in the church world, but I think it's just the real in culture in general now, and even in business, Everything is moving, you know, well, before the COVID stuff, God knows what's going to happen now. We might be wearing masks for the rest of our lives, but like everything in culture is moving so fast forward that now when you stop learning, you don't stay stagnant where you were. You actually move backwards. It's like being caught in a river. Like if I'm swimming upstream in a river and then all of a sudden I quit swimming, I'm going backwards. Like I'm not... And I think that's, I think that would be one of the the hardest lessons I had to learn was like, I needed to cultivate a a spirit of humility within myself that I looked at everybody and said, I can learn from this person. And, and so that was one of the things that I really felt like, man, I had to, and I was, I was terrible at it in my mid twenties, dude. I was a nightmare. And, uh, I just thought I knew everything. I would challenge people. I was just disrespectful and arrogant and I look back at it and I'm like, God, I would have punched me like straight in the neck. Like it would have just been, (laughs) you know? And so that's the stuff that I look back. And I think for every entrepreneur, like if you can cultivate a a spirit of, man, maybe I don't know everything. And maybe there's some people that have gone before me that I can really learn from. And what I would tell you is they don't even have to be in your field. Right. Like I used to find guys that I thought were a good dad, a good husband, a good leader, a good preacher, uh, a good businessman. And I would have like a group of guys that they were kind of like my unofficial mentors. And when I would have an issue with my kids, I would call and be like, what do I do with this? If I would have an issue with business, I would call and be like, I don't know what to do with this. And so it was cultivating that is what I would say. 
yeah, and having a a tribe of mentors around you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, super valuable. And especially, I think, I don't want to say just as men, but I, I'm a man, so I know this to be true. Um, it's hard to ask for help sometimes. For sure. And uh, because when you ask for help, you're admitting that you don't have all yeah. the answers. And I think that's so refreshing for other people um, to even just be asked for help in the first place, whether or not they Oh, have dude, everybody likes being asked for help. Yeah. There's a book uh, John Maxwell wrote called Leaders Ask Great Questions. And I bought the book only because there were seven questions that he had and that he asked every leader. I didn't read the book. John, if you're listening to this, I didn't read the book. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he wants your leadership tips. Yeah. Uh, and so, and so I wrote down the seven questions and bro, I would just, I would meet with leaders and ask them these questions. What are one of those questions? Um, one of the ones is kind of what you just said. What can I do to add value to you? And so, uh, who do you think I should know? Is some uh, other ones. Uh, what do you know that you think I should know? Like it was more of these kind of open-ended questions. And uh, I had one pastor, he was a pastor in Tampa or in Sarasota. And uh, I literally, I got one meeting with him. He's a buddy of mine, but at the time I got one meeting with him a quarter and I would literally drive two hours to sit with him at lunch. And we would do like the pleasantries like, Hey, how are the wife and kids? Oh, everybody's good. And I had a notebook and I'd look at him and I'd go, all right, you ready? He goes, I'm ready. And dude, we would just go in and I was just asking questions. Dude, everybody loves to be asked questions. Yeah. It makes them feel important. It makes us feel important. Yeah. So you know what I mean? They have the right answer. <laughs> For sure. Um, so full circle here. Uh, what do you know that you think that I should know? Oh my gosh, you got me. <laughs> oh man. There, there's so much stuff, dude. Like I've learned. <laughs> Dude, I mean, literally, as you say this to me, I'm, I'm holding this up. This is a, a book that I've been writing, not like a book book because I'm a terrible writer, but of like all the things in the past year of us having to leave the church I was at for 15 years, moved to Georgia. Like there's so much stuff that I have like learned and a lot of it's been through brokenness. And one of the things, man, and you probably already know this, but like um, the thing that has stuck with me the most recently is moral authority does not come from what you know, but it comes through what you've been through. And, and I think as a leader, whether it's in the church world or whether it's in the business world, the, the authority that you have to be able to speak into different situations doesn't always come from your book knowledge, but it comes through the things that you've walked through in life. And, and I, and I can remember at times as a leader feeling intimidated, you know, I went, a lot of my friends have doctorates and masters. I went to Florida state university and barely graduated. Please pray for our football team. (laughs) And and so, so I I would always feel like, man, I don't have the ability to speak into this or I really don't need to say this because I don't have the doctorate or I don't have the whatever, but I've been through a lot of really, really hard things in my life. And because of that, I realized that God has given me a moral authority to be able to speak into situations that other people can't speak into. So I would say for you and for other people listening, one of the things that you should know is that actually the knowledge that you have that gives you the authority to speak into things isn't actually a book knowledge, but it's actually the things that you've walked through. Thank you. That's really good. Yeah. So, um, who's, who's someone you think that I should know? Dude, so I would tell you one of the things, I don't know him, but for what we're talking about, Sam Chand, who I mentioned earlier, 
he has two books, man, that I read uh, when I was starting the churches in Orlando. One of them's called Leadership Pain, which was really good, and the other one is the 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 culture one. Those are the ones, man, that I would really look at and read. And that's the other thing too, man. So many people they want like mentors and stuff that they can really be close with. And and everybody needs some of those. But because of podcasts, because of everything else out there right now, dude, some of the people who have influenced me the most in my life, I do not have personal relationships with. And and I would say to for everybody to kind of shift their mindset of what does it mean to allow somebody to speak into your life and realize because of technology and everything. And I think all of us have seen that with the 18 million zoom calls we've probably been on in the past three months. Zoom is behind the coronavirus because (laughs) if we had stock in that thing, it would be, Oh man. But I think that's where I would look at. So like I have a list of podcasts that I listen to. I have a list of, um, books that I read that are, you know, have shaped me and molded me. Uh, those are the things that I would say, like, you know, John Eldridge, bro, is like my probably my favorite author of all time. Um, Craig Rochelle's Leadership Podcast, Andy Stanley's Leadership Podcast, um, Simon Sinek, if you don't know. I mean, he's a brilliant human being. Um, Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast is really, really, really good. Um, those are guys that I would say you need to know them and you may not know them with air quotes, but you need to listen to them. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, you recommended leadership pain and uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> that brought a lot of, I don't know, I guess maybe healing during a certain season. Well, it um, makes you feel normal. Yeah. Right? Like when you realize other people have been through hell on earth as well, you're kind of like, like when we went through the stuff of having to leave Florida and the church that I was at. And I was sitting with my counselor. I, I, I had all these weird emotions and pain. And, you know, this is when I was on anxiety and all this. And I'd be like, this is how I feel. I don't know. He goes, yo, dude, that's normal. And I was like, oh, really? Okay, cool. You know, because you feel like you're the only person. That yeah, and you're going to burst trying to hold it all yeah. in. Like, yeah. I can't tell anybody about this. They'll look yeah. different, you know? Yeah. And then when someone goes, no, man, that's normal. You're like, oh, all right, cool. All right. All right, never mind then. Yeah, well, I'm glad I got that out. Because I yeah. think a lot of times those feelings, it's really the, the guilt around how we feel yeah. that makes us, like leads to that burnout. Versus- well, and some of it, yeah. And some of it too is you're just trying to like, you're trying to figure out what you feel, right? Like you just feel like sometimes like when we feel different, we think that different is bad. Different isn't bad. Different's just different. And so when you walk into new seasons of life or new struggles or new uh, you know, endeavors or whatever, you're going to have different feelings and not all those are bad. And I think it's good to have someone help you process through them. Yeah. You, know? you mentioned it a couple of times, Josh. Um, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about it or, or at least just ask you about it. Yeah. Especially for the audience um, who may, may know of you, maybe even got baptized by you in the past as well. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about that transition? Like uh, maybe even just clear the air on the transition. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was just a season where, um, you know, we were, we had been in a church for a really long time and, um, the pastor that, that I had been with for a long time, he felt God was calling him into a new direction, into a new season of ministry. Um, it's not, it's not bad. It just wasn't for me. 
And, um, and so that, that's, I'll leave it at that, you know? And, uh, he just felt like God was calling me into a new season. And, you know, there's a part of me that really, really respects him for feeling that God, he was so, he was so sure of what God was calling him to, that he was holding more firmly to that than, than other things and even relationships with me and stuff like that. And I commend him for that. I commend him for being that steadfast and what he felt like God was calling him to. And it's not bad. Uh, it just wasn't, it just wasn't for me. It just wasn't what I felt like God was calling me to in that season of my life. And so, uh, we decided, you know, it was best for us to, um, leave and resign. And when we did, it was the same week that my daughter got, um, di- uh, got a new diagnosis, which caused us to lose all of our Medicaid in the state of Florida. So literally in one week, um, I resigned from an organization I'd been with for 15 years and one I'd started for five and we lose our Medicaid in the state of Florida and we're having to move to Georgia in one week. And you're, you're just kind of like, Oh my gosh. And you know, me and me and the pastor that I served for all those years, we're on good terms. We don't have any hard feelings towards each other. I want nothing but the best for him in the church. And he feels the same way about me. And, uh, but it was, it was weird, man. I mean, it was a difficult, painful season and that's just with change, right? Like change is just hard and difficult and painful. And so, you know, that's, we, we had to walk through that. There was healing. I had to go through, through that, um, counseling, you know, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, there was no like, you know, as I was telling you earlier, there was no like affair, immorality. Like I wasn't stealing money or punching children. You know what I mean? Like there was none of that. It was just, yeah. it was just two different callings. And uh, Henry Cloud has a book called, I think it's Henry Cloud, Necessary Endings. And, uh, and it was just a season, man, where we felt like, you know, um, that it was best for both of us to kind of go a little bit separate ways. Yeah. And that's so, um, I think that's super important too, because, you know, as Christians, we are, we have a lifelong commitment to Christ. Yeah. We don't necessarily have to have a lifelong commitment to a specific congregation. No, 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 I don't, I don't think so at all. No. Yeah. So I, I think that's important to like necessary endings, you know? Yeah. Um, transition. Uh, and it's constantly happening. We're constantly making For sure. I think it was sort of like a pre pandemic experience for you though, man. Um, yeah, dude, we've been, I mean, we've been through everything from having a special needs daughter to planting a church to multiple surgeries with her to, you know, everything. I mean, God has just, it's easier for me. I was telling my mom this yesterday, like I have a very long track record with God. So when pandemics and stuff like this hit, like I don't minimize on what people are going through at all. Like it's terrible and terrifying and scary. But God, we've just walked through so much stuff in in the past that we're kind of like, all right, like God's been faithful up until this point. Like he ain't dropped a shit. I don't think he's going to do it now. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, right? Like it doesn't mean it's always going to be the way that I want it. But just because, just because God doesn't answer a certain prayer the way that I think he should doesn't mean that God didn't answer that prayer. Yeah. It just looks different than I thought it would, you know? Yeah. So, um, Super important. Our, our expectations, we have to balance this duality of, you know, expecting God to come through in our life in great ways, but then managing our expectations. Oh, for sure. Think that God should do in our lives. Yeah, dude. Yeah. There's a yeah. difference between expectancy and expectations. Hmm. And so the more that you can live with a sense of expectancy, like when it comes to God, like, man, I know God's going to come through. I know God's going to show up. I don't know what it's going to look like. 
But what happens is we end up putting expectations on God based off of our human understanding of certain situations. And when God's answers don't look like our expectations, we think, well, God didn't show up. And I think sometimes God's like, no, I showed up. I just didn't answer it the way you thought I should have. Yeah. But I still showed up, you know, and that's hard. I'm not, I don't say that to be like, just get it right. Like it's, it's, I mean, dude, I've had it happen and you're like, what in the heck? Yeah. It's like a, it's a constant. It's not like a one and done. Like, let me change no, expectations. Yeah. It's a constancy yeah. of revisiting. Am I putting this label on God or yeah. letting him do what he needs to do and yeah. having expectancy for that breakthrough, whatever it looks yeah. like. Yeah. Well, and, and the reality is, man, is, is for every person who follows Jesus, we will always be in a state of following hardship, trials, God coming through. I mean, that's just life, right? Like it's just part of it. And I've, and I've just learned with everything that we've walked through is, you know, often, often beauty and pain are held kind of within the same hand, right? Like things can be beautiful at the same time that they can be painful. And I know that's like a weird saying, but like, I, I like the things that we've gone through that have been very painful in my life have caused me to come to know God in a new way. And that, and it's the pain sucks, but it's beauty that I know God in a new way. And it, it's just, I think that's life in yeah. general. You know, I really agree. I don't think we would appreciate the beauty without the chaos or without the pain. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And so, for people like like you and myself who have probably been through a little bit more than normal. Uh, you certainly yeah. have. Um, you get to really be more grateful for those days that nothing. Everything goes, goes good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I, and nothing, I, nothing set on fire today. It's a great like, day. Where you lay down to go to bed and just check the house one more time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's here. Everybody's good. Yeah. 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 Um, Nobody's hiding. We're good. All right, cool. So um, with this, with with this massive transition due to the pandemic in the church world, um, I'm, I'm really interested in your thoughts. Like, what do you think? Like, what do you think the future of the global church is going to look like? I mean, in my opinion, I'll just say like kind of what I'm what yeah. I'm looking at is like you know, just like a lot of small businesses and large businesses, you'll you're, one in four restaurants, for example, won't recover from. Yeah. It. yeah. Um, what do you think it's going to look like in the in the church world? Oh man, no, everybody, nobody knows. I mean, we're all, I, I think, you know, one of the things is this, don't ever underestimate people being lulled back into their rhythms when things go back to normal. Like that's one of the things that just about human nature. It's just when we get back into our rhythm, like don't underestimate how people just go back to normal. It never happened. Like it never happened. Like th there will always be, you know, people said like nine 11 changed everything forever. And it, and it has a little bit, right? Like we get on planes differently, but for the most part, and I'm sure some of the military stuff is, is definitely always been changed. But for the most part, America, we kind of went back to normal, you know, based off besides of how we get on planes and maybe a little bit more stuff that I don't. Your lines didn't change after like. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for the church world, you know, I think what you're going to see is more guys are going to be online as well. So they're going to have more of the in-person and online um, uh, capabilities. Um, and then I think that you're going to see guys understand that it's not just about the weekend services and everybody gathering in one building. But what I think we're seeing right now 
from the conversations I have with my friends is what we're seeing is everybody's online church attendance numbers are starting to decline because everybody's freaking over it, right? Like I sat down, we go to Passion City Church with Louis Giglio, and I, I told my wife we sat down for a church this past Sunday to watch on TV. And I told her, I said, I'm over this. Same. Like, I don't like, and here's a weird, worship through video sucks. Like, it's the worst. Like, the only person worshiping in our house through video is my 12-year-old little girl who is like Jesus. Like, the, you know, me, me and Aiden, my son, like, we're on our phones. Like, my wife's in, like, being like, get off your phones. We're at church. And I'm like, who cares? I'm not going to sing. You know what I mean? It's like, just turns into this, like, circus. And so, I don't know, man. I, I think that we're going to see guys that are going to be – I have friends that have already gone back to gatherings, and their numbers are so low like of attendance, like so, so low because people are still scared. So I think, I think you're going to see guys not focus as much on the weekends. Um, I think that you're going to see more of an online presence for churches. Um, but other than that, man, I don't, I think people want to be around people yeah. and people, uh, they want to connect with people. And I think that there's something, you know, if I'm going, you know, heavy spirit. I know we've talked a lot about Christianity on this uh, and Jesus on this leadership podcast, but um, I think also like there is something about corporate worship. There is something about a bunch of people being in a room singing to their savior that you cannot replace any other way. Um, so I think a guy, everybody right now is doing their best. There's guys, I've talked to a lot of guys that they're, they're giving and their finances are, are up. And then I've talked to guys that they're absolutely being crushed. Mm. And so, um, and then you get into the whole thing, you know, in Orlando, we, our church was in two schools. Well, schools, you can't, you, you're not getting back into schools right now yeah. to do church or anytime soon. So that's going to be another kind of curveball that a bunch of guys are going to have to navigate through the satellite situation. Yep. Yep. Super interesting to see. And I, th- I think, you know, going back to the spirituality thing, it's like, there's a poor part of us that should work really hard to bring our churches back to whatever we for sure. Them. And a part of us that just has to trust God through this pandemic. Right? Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's, 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 I always say this, it's not a problem to be solved. It's a tension to be managed. God, I'm going to do everything that I know to do to do this and to get back and to be doing, you know, local church, whatever. But then God, there's some things that are totally out of my control. And I'm going to pray about those things. Like you're the only person that can do anything about them. It's not a problem to be solved. It's a tension. And in, in, in scripture, there's tensions. Following Jesus, there's a tension. There's tensions in all of it. And so you just have to manage those tensions as you do it. So, and I think that there's a good time in all of this. And I think what you'll see, and I think you'll see this in the business world too. And even kind of the, the nonprofit I work for now is how a shakeup like this causes people to innovate. And I think that's what you're going to see a lot of it as well. I don't know what it's going to look like eventually, yeah. you know, but I think it's going to, you need to use it to innovate. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, adversity is a terrible thing to waste. Yep. Um, okay. A couple quick questions before we um, jump off, man. Um, who's your favorite person right now to follow on social media? Oh my gosh. My favorite person to follow on social media. I don't even know if I should. Um, Second favorite person. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to look real quick. He's okay. I'm, I'm just going to tell you who it is. Um, whatever. It is a. Do you know who the Leslie Jordan is? Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. 
it's an old Southern gay man. <laughs> he's an actor. And dude, ever since this pandemic hit, he's been posting all these videos of him telling old stories from like being in Hollywood. But bro, he's so, he is not clean. He is not Christian. He is a Christian guy. He actually talked about how many times he got baptized. But like, dude, he's just my favorite person right now. Me and my buddies all send them to each other. Um, and we just think it's the funniest thing in the world. Um, that's probably the guy that I'm, I'm looking at what he's posting more often than not. And it has nothing to do with anything, uh, leadership, spiritual. It just makes me laugh. Sometimes Uh, we just got to find something that makes us laugh though. He cracks me up, cracks me up. So what's your uh, favorite podcast right now? My favorite podcast right now, uh, dude, I love the Carrie Newhoff podcast. Um, I think it is a really good, he is a very, very good, he's a very good interviewer and he has some of the great, he has some great pastors, leaders on there. Um, and so I really like listening to him. Uh, the other podcast that I really like, and once again, uh, this has nothing to do with like church world or anything like that. Let me pull up the name of it is, um, I love the meat eater podcast, but that's just cause I'm a hunter and I love listening to those guys like talk about it. Um, there's, there's two, um, by black barrel media. One's called legends of the old West and one's called infamous America. And bro, the way that they produce them and they tell stories of like, you know, tombstone or stories about Deadwood or whatever, just, they're so historically, they're awesome. My parents, my kids, my parents, my kids hate riding in the car because I'm like, who wants to learn about Wyatt Earp? Yeah. <laughs> like, no. So yeah, that's what I'm listening to right now. Tombstone easily top five movies ever made. Oh, it's my favorite movie of all time. I, we have a thing right now at our house because of, uh, the COVID and we're all locked down that Monday night's movie night and we draw a name out of the hat and then we have to watch that person's favorite movie. Mine's Tombstone, and so I just made my entire family watch Tombstone. But I can quote the entire thing. Yeah, and dude, they were they were like, seriously, that's enough. Shut up. Because <laughs> you got to say it just before the actor says it. Oh yeah, they're really everything uh, you got holiday, especially. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah. Favorite book you've read in the past three months? My favorite book right now is one called The Dusty Ones. Uh, by a guy named AJ Swoboda and it's why wandering deepens your faith. And dude, it has been um, probably, I would, I would maybe say it's one of my favorite books I've ever read uh, just in general about the struggles of, you know, following Jesus, wandering, feeling lost at times, feeling like whatever. And it's, it's really, really incredible. And then I'm reading a book. So I'm always reading like uh, usually three books. Right now I'm reading two. I I usually read a Christian book, a nonfiction book, and a leadership book. And so the the nonfiction or the fiction book I'm reading right now is The Terminal List. And uh, it's about basically a Navy SEAL that he finds out that there's a conspiracy against him and everybody killed his family. And it's a book of him just exacting revenge. Mm. It is awesome. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's like, yeah. If I was tougher and more muscular, I feel like I would want to be a Navy SEAL. But, you know, I'm fat and skinny. So at the same time. <laughs> and I don't like running far. <laughs> yeah, that's a big deal in the Navy SEALs. 
best hundred dollar purchase you've made in the last six months? Anything under a hundred bucks? Anything under a hundred bucks. So I have to do a bunch of podcast things and zoom calls. So I bought one of these microphones. It's a road mic that attaches to my iPhone. And so I got it off of Amazon and it basically just picks up sound way, way better. And it's, and it's uh, screws into this tripod. And so, yeah, that's probably the best I've a hundred, less than a hundred dollar purchase I've made uh, because I can use it for a bajillion different, it plugs into my camera, it plugs into a GoPro, it plugs into my iPhone and just, it, it makes the audio better. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, it's good. Last question, man. If you could put anything on a big blank billboard on the busiest street, you know, what would it say? Oh my God. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, I just keep thinking like, <laughs> um, I, I would say this, I have this written down. Um, mountaintops are for the views, but the fruit grows in the valley. And I think that's what, you know, especially the world that we're living in right now, that's the, that's the thing that I think most people, even for everybody listening to this, like, do I know that right now we're all in lockdown coronavirus mode? We're all, our, our lives have been upended. You know, so I had, I have a buddy of mine who's a pastor that travels and he goes, yo man, I think that traveling saved my marriage. He goes, being home this much, like it's rough. And, and I think that we have to understand that like mountaintops are for the views, right? Like it's for those big moments, but most often in life, the fruit grows in the valley. And, and I just think this whole pandemic, all the hard stuff we walk through in life, that God actually uses that stuff more to, to cultivate in us the leadership skills that we need to, to have to be the leaders that he's called us to be. That's really good. Josh, I, uh, once again, man, I'm so grateful for you making the time to jump on the podcast. Um, I'm sure the Good audience time, dude. really appreciate it as well. Um, so uh, stay for a second whenever I end the recording. I want to yeah, yeah. an idea I had uh, or a project. Yeah. But, um, but until next time, man, I really appreciate you being on the show, and I'll talk to you soon.